Uh, see, greetings, everyone, and welcome to the 47th edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach, and I'm joined by my fellow Hans Zimmer appreciator, Jaden. G'day. And I should have done number one hater for them setting up for this. Disney's number two hater, a.k.a. Fitzy, a.k.a. Liam. Hello. Hello, hello. Hey. If only we had some amazing discussion regarding what number hater you should be in an alternate universe, but mm. lost a time. Good addition to law. That would have been... For the uninitiated, this is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and all other podcast things. Subscribe. Let us know what you think by visiting ratethispodcast.com slash cinema effect. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes, and I'll read it out on the show. How about that? That'd be much appreciated. You can submit any questions, thoughts, reviews for next week's film in the YouTube comment section. As always, we read them out throughout the show. Um, our question of the week, we've kind of stuffed this up. I mean, it's no one's fault, but like, you know, we're recording this really early. We haven't got any responses yet. We're trying to work this all out. So we're just keeping the same question as last week. Apologies if you've already answered it, but you've got a two week window now to ask the same question. Um, and then we'll, we'll read that stuff out next week. And that question was, of course, as a reminder, what is your opinion on reality TV shows? And, yeah, reality TV in general, let us know. And that'll be a really anticipated topic when that finally comes around. This week we're reviewing 12 Years a Slave, which won in my Instagram poll. Yay, good for me. Um, It opened in the US on the 8th of November 2013. It was directed by Mr. Steve McQueen, now friend of the show officially. Thank you, Steve. The genre reads... Oh, no, no, this is the, the synopsis is the part that reads. The genre is historical drama, and the synopsis reads, in the antebellum United States, Solomon Northup, a free black man from upstate New York, is abducted and sold into slavery. That he was. Is this all our first times for this film? Mm-hmm. Kind of. Actually, not really. I mean, I've seen the first, I feel like I've seen the first half maybe twice. Um, but yeah. Oh, yeah. I reckon we, um, am I making this up? I, I, I've definitely seen the whole Benedict Cumberbatch segment in school before. Yeah, I remember bits and pieces from, from year nine. Like, yeah, I, right, that's what, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, I remember like the Brad Pitt, some of the Brad Pitt part, parts from year nine, so yeah. Yeah, okay, okay, neat. Yeah, I remembered all that, but mm. mainly the first time. I'm surprised though, I feel like this is a film we should have seen, you know, one best picture. Steve McQueen, you're a big fan, Fitzy. I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of, mm. but it's cool. It's cool. I like going into it like this. So, uh, Fitzy, what did you think of Twelve Years a Slave? Um, no, yeah, it's pretty great. Um, Steve McQueen is is awesome. He's one of the best directors out there, I reckon. Um, and yeah, he just gets a lot out of his his actors, and he doesn't he doesn't hold anything back. Like Hunger is, you know, just as Brutal as this, and um, mm. yeah, it's just uh, um, just great in in all elements, I guess. Yeah, for sure, for sure, Jaden. I really loved it. Um, I wasn't keen on going in because I was expecting misery porn. Um, but oh, it right. it definitely wasn't that. You know, it it it, it, it there was definitely moments that were miserable, but it never really revel, reveled in it. You know, it had a more focus on its defiance and, and, and hope rather than basking in pain, which was nice. Sometimes it would indulge in that a little bit, which is where I see it falters. But, like, you know, it was an account of what happened without sensationalizing pain. 
and and, and, I, and I quite, quite like yeah. that. Yeah, no, it was. And it made the moments where it does go pretty gruesome all the more effective for it, you know. No, I thought this movie was awesome. I think it's a special movie. And um, the thing, as I was watching it, right, like what constantly stood out to me is that dude, Stephen McQueen is like, he is a master filmmaker at work here. And you're just seeing that constantly in the execution of the story was everything for me in this movie. You know, like, I don't know, the premise itself and following this this slave is like, I don't know, it's not the most compelling thing to me in the universe. And I think that's just more of a testament, I guess, to how educated people are these days. And, you know, I'm well aware of the atrocities and stuff. So, like, I'm kind of, I guess, in a similar boat to Jane, of like, I don't need to see this stuff. It's pretty confronting. You know, I, I get it sort of thing. Um, so that's sort of my perspective on whenever I'm thrown into these kind of stories that are this dark and tackle this subject matter. But, no, like I said, it was the execution and watching Steve do his thing throughout this movie in all aspects was really captivating for me. Um, and, yeah, it is the direction and the performances that really just elevate what is, a you know, already an interesting story for sure, a true story, which is fascinating, but elevate that for me to be like, oh, shit, no, this movie is is something to behold right here for sure. The first thing that I respect about the movie is that, like, obviously, you know, the film's called 12 Years a Slave. Okay, so we're going to follow a dude who's a slave for 12 years. Cool. Um, but like, I didn't really understand, I don't think before I am that it's actually not only this true story, but it's about a free black man who seems to be very, you know, privileged upstate New York. He's got a, got a nice home. He's well-respected in his community and all that. And it's essentially about him being abducted and and sold into slavery completely against his will, which is just a horrific thing to happen to a human being. Being sold into slavery is always against your will, mate. Oh, no, fair. Yeah, that's sort of a reductive statement, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. But, it's yeah, it stands out because of how what his previous position was. Um, so, no, but that sort of took me by surprise. I was like, oh, I didn't actually realise this about the movie. And I thought the stuff going into how he, you know, ends up in the position he does was really efficient and really great in the movie because – we spend just enough time, I think, with his family at the start to get it. And it's a bit, it's not long at all, to be clear. Like it's, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes and you go straight into it, dude. It's just, it, it just happens. You sort of see it coming with these sketchy ass musician people and it happens and you're like, oh God, this is, this is terrible. But I really appreciate it because it doesn't linger. It doesn't waste time. It gets right to the gist, but at the same time is, still carries the emotional weight that it needs to, you know, because that's sort of the risk when you, I don't want to say brush over, but when you sort of go through the introduction of your film, the setup fast, you could lose a bit of emotional weight, but it really doesn't, I don't think. And that that's what makes the ending really cool as well. Hmm. Dude, this movie's just got everyone and their mums popping up in this movie as it's going through. Oh, I yeah. couldn't believe the actors that just kept showing up in this movie. I was like, Holy shit, because I knew, obviously, uh, old mate Benedict Cumberbatch is in it. I had no idea who was in it. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. No, so that, that that was dope, and then you get – it just keeps going, you know. Michael Fassbender, I, I was I was like, oh, duh, like this is a Steve McQueen movie. I should have uh, I should have realised that. But then, of course, you got you got Brad Pitt and you got – dude, Paul Dano, what an absolute um, – oh, my God, I hate that guy, dude. I hate that piece of shit. He no, is yeah. – Paul Dano plays such a good little shit. You know what I mean? Hmm. I just want to I want to kick the living crap out of that man. 
I hate him. I hate him so much. Yeah. But it was cool to see him for sure. But then, of course, you know, these really cool supporting cast members all come around this, you know, this amazing lead performance from, can you guys pronounce his name? I'm not even going to bother because I'm going to really embarrass myself. Does anyone dare to attempt? Where's the W? Because is it, is it, is it Chiwetel or is it Chitul? Where's the W in it? I don't know. Oh, we got, we got to, we got to try because he is something. He is amazing in this movie. In my opinion, he was a real standout. I don't know if he had a lot of acting roles before this. None to my knowledge. I don't know. I haven't really seen him in a lot. I don't think. I know he's in the Lion King remake and stuff, but like you know, that's just obviously voice work. I haven't seen him, mm. but dude, he he took me by surprise. He was awesome. He was so good, and, and especially when you get towards the ending, there it really, you know, emotionally pays off in large part because of because of him. Now he was awesome. He was awesome. I don't know if he won Best Actor, but he bloody. He should have, in my opinion. Was he a highlight of the movie for you, Fitzy? Um, not really, to be honest. I mean, I think he was. What? It was. He was great. He was great. Um, not not a highlight though. Um, no, he he's great. But I mean, there's just so many great performances in it that. Uh, mm. I don't think he's on like on top, but you know. Um, I think the way he, you know, struggles with the way he portrays a character, he struggles with, you know, wanting to rebel and then, you know, wanting to be silent because at, at risk of like being, you know, punished or whatever. Um, he played that really well, and yeah, I don't know he's just he's great, you know. <laughs> he is. He is. No, I, I, that's a great point though because that is a constant thread throughout the movie of how much does he choose to divulge the fact that not only is he uh you know, really an upper class person, but also the fact that he has the ability to read and write, which is obviously like cherished and rare, presumably for slaves at that time. So it's, yeah, it was this interesting line of every time he's like meets a new uh, owner or whatever, like he meets new people he's working with. I'm like, how much is he going to reveal here? And he sort of plays with that. Mm. Um, But it sucks because I'm like, dude, I just, often in movies I feel like struggles with characters there's sort of a disconnect with the audience where the audience in a lot of cases can be like, I don't know, I would just do this. You know, it's just like, this is annoying. This is stupid because the the answer or what I would do is obvious to me in some way. But this made a lot of sense where I was like, I just want, I feel like I just really want to come out if I were him and say, yo, I can read and write. This is what I can do. I can help you more. But then, yeah, that, that, that struggle of that would probably, not turn out great in a lot of ways. I think some of the other characters right. would be right about that. Well, I think the reason they don't want him to, I could be wrong about this, but I think like the reason they don't want him to be a person who can read or write is that, you know, they'd feel more threatened by him or they'd, they'd feel that he's more of an actual person. Like they don't really view him. They don't view these people as, as people. So mm. I think that, that would like threaten their, you know, their, their view or whatever you want to call it, their, their um, prejudice. So Yeah, um, yeah, no, for sure. But doesn't 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 Fazbender's character say he, he doesn't need one that can read and write because it makes it, it'll it, it's easier for them to run away then and that's what he doesn't want. Like isn't there like is Oh right. It shows that they're like smarter or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right, right. I guess able to 
if they're able to write letters to con- con- conduct oh. plans with people on the outside and shit, maybe, oh, which right. is literally what he does. So yeah, I yeah. guess, I guess no, that, that makes sense. sense yeah. yeah. Nah, for sure, for sure. I mean, so out of the large array of supporting characters, do you have one that stands out for your performance or character? Yeah, I think I think Fassbender and Paul Dano are pretty incredible. Um, I mean, even Dano in just his his small his small role. Uh, but I mean, they kind of stand out anyway because they play, um, you know, very. They give them very memorable performances because they're kind of like large, you know, evil characters. But um, yeah, you know, I think the whole cast is just really. I think Steve McQueen's a director who's just able to bring the best out of his performances, like PTA. So, yeah, they're all pretty great. They are. They are. Fazbender and his wife scared the shit out of me, dude. I don't know oh, what yeah. their whole thing. I was not. I was not a fan of that. They scared me for sure. Have you got any standouts, uh, Jaden? Excuse me. From the supporting class, definitely Paul Dano. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, dude. He, he's mm. you know he's there for like ten minutes, but. He's great. He is. No, he totally, like I said, he totally nails that. You're you're here to represent the, the ultimate piece of shit in this movie, and he nailed it, you know? You fit the job description, and that's called doing an A-plus job at any job you want to seek out to do in life. He totally crushed it, dude. I mean, for me, I actually, Benedict Cumberbatch stands out for me. You know, he's, he's you know, he's great because he's great, you know, but he doesn't really do anything outside of the ordinary, I don't think for him, but, you know, he's great because he is. But it was actually, for me, like, the interesting thing of he's definitely the most empathetic uh, slave owner that we see, I think. And, you know, he he genuinely does, he he has sympathy, he has a conscience in that way, and that's when we get that great, I love that scene in the market where we're introduced to him for a lot of different reasons, but... um, you know, immediately we get that he's he ha- he takes issue somewhat with what's going on. Like I, I guess, but even though he's obviously participating more than or on the same level as everyone else, he's just terrible in the system. So I oh know that kind of to me brings in an interesting conversation. But yeah, seeing this person who is purchasing slaves from the market and you know practically doing the same things that a terrible person like Fazbender is um, and supporting the same, you know, systems that Paul Dano loves and these terrible people we know in this movie, but also has some stretch of humanity in him, you know? And that's why I like the scene a lot where that, that we see that juxtaposition of the people with the, who are in that plantation participating in the system of slavery, which is, you know, messed up obviously, where you see Paul Dano hang up Solomon by the tree, which is just atrocious. And then you sort of see how everyone else in the plantation reacts to it gradually until you get to Benedict coming back, where the wife is like standing on the balcony and clearly just doesn't do anything, which is which is bewildering. Um, the sheriff dude also, like he saves his life but then doesn't interfere either. But I, I don't know, like, I guess maybe I could, because he, the sheriff dude obviously didn't really like Paul Dano at all. So I guess I could argue that he left him there so Benedict could see him in that state, I guess. I don't know, but that's sort of a stretch, honestly, like <laughs> leaving someone in that position. Hmm. Seeing all the other slaves continue about their day 
running around was, you know, something. But then seeing Benedict run in to the rescue as quick as he could within the context of the scene, it's like he's he's the the sympathetic character there. He's like, oh, thank Christ, you know, someone someone helped him. So for me, I like that character a lot because it sort of has you in a very interesting way weighing up the morality of the people, not of the system, not of what's occurring, but of how the people sort of react to it. I don't know. It sort of got me thinking in a, in a weird way, you know. Yeah. As opposed to, and like I like Fazbender a lot, but as opposed to Fazbender is just evil, you know what I mean? It sort of creates less ideological struggle um, for me later on. But, you know, he has a whole other list of strengths which make him great too. Hmm. Well, could could Benedict have like written a letter or could he have done more? Oh, I think he definitely could have done more. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. And that's sort of the, the, yeah, that sort of plays into it a little bit of, if you are, you know, someone in that position who's slightly sympathetic, like what are you, what lengths do you feel or are you comfortable with helping, you know? Because like he, he says that the best he could do was, <laughs> the the best he could do was give him to Fazbender, he claims, which is like, yeah. definitely not true, you know? Like the best you could do is like you're well aware of who Solomon is. The best you could do is write to his family and get him out there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he'd come under any trouble because he doesn't he just want like to sell him for money or something. Like in the end, like he's talked about his debt or something. Well, I think he's he's just if he were to release him, he would just lose his debt. Yeah, so I guess it's just he's concerned about the, the his margins there, which is messed up. Right, but I don't know. I guess maybe it could affect his reputation as well. I, I can't really speak to that. I don't know. The social constructs involved. Because if it was just the debt, you know, that's kind of shitty. Or it's very shitty. But Right. Well, they they can hire other people, you know, white people who they, they pay. They don't, I mean, if he, helped, if he helped him, then it would kind of be hypocritical for him to still have slaves anyway. You know? Sure. No, that's a great point. So that's, that. yeah, that is the thing of like, he clearly takes some issue to some extent, the extent to which is sort of, I guess, vague, but some issue with having slaves. But at the same time, yeah, if exactly. If he were to release Solomon, then it'd be this thing of like, well, now I, morally there's inconsistencies there. I should release everyone. But then that's obviously going to affect his entire business. And then that obviously, you know, says something about how much he values his profit, obviously, mm. over anything else. So, yeah, no, I like those characters. Uh, Benedict's wife really sucked when she, when they turn up. And was it's Eliza, isn't it, who turns up there with with Solomon? And she just says, oh, don't worry about it. You'll forget about your kids soon enough. Yeah. Like, and, and, but the weird thing is, like, she's clearly she's clearly in a demented way trying actually to be nice by saying that. Yeah, you know like what I mean? She feels like she's being sympathetic or something. Yeah, yeah, 100%. She's not being cruel. She's genuinely, like, trying to reach out to the person, and that's what you say. Yeah, it's messed up. I love that on this journey that Solomon goes on, and I also love how you sort of lose track of time as you're with him because he, he actually ends up, I think if you do work it out, spending like years and years, like seven, eight years with, with Fazbender, I think. Um, but that's not sort of clear in the movie of how much time is passing, um, which I actually really like because I think it makes the ending awesome when you when he turns up to his kids and his kids are grown up i'd sort of even though the movie's literally called 12 years a slave i'd sort of like 
hadn't got any sense of time and I was sort of shocked to see the kids that old too, like yeah. sort of putting me in his shoes. I thought that was really cool. Um, but every character he meets along the way adds something to the story that's that's pretty cool, you know, like the, the, the first when he's on the boat to New Orleans and the two dudes there in the boats and they're sort of like, do we create a rebellion on the boat? Do we not? And then one of them dies. I was like, oh, shit, well, that's trash. Like that sort of left me with something there. And then you move on to Eliza um, and the situation with her child. Then you move on to, of course, Lupita Nyong'o's character. I don't even, I can't remember what her name is in the movie. Patsy. But Patsy, yeah, thank you. You know, she was really great. So like every single time, this journey is just keeping me engaged with not only the the, the slave owner, side characters and my man Brad Pitt, but also these these slave characters as well. Just a great cast of characters in general. Yeah. With the um with the time thing, I think one yeah. cool one good like small thing that happens is that uh like at the start we go we get those like scenes with him um that uh like on I think he's at maybe at first minute's uh estate, I don't know, but like, you know, the woman and um, stuff like that. And then... Like, oh, lying next to him. What, what's that? Oh, yeah, lying next to him. Is that what you're him. talking about? Yeah yeah, 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 like all those scenes. And then later in the film, they kind of replay that just as like kind of a montage thing. And, yeah. you know, talking about like how the time in the film, it feels like it, you know, um, you don't get a good sense of it. It kind of adds to that. Thing. It's just like one long, you know, thing, mm. event after another event kind of thing. Yeah, just clump of memories, you know. Yeah. They don't have any continuity. Jane, do you have any any comments about the score? I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was really, really, really great. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm taking notes because I just don't like taking notes films, but this is one thing I did note down. It was, a, it was the fact that is it, it, the score was comprised of like it, it was – it was, an, it was an interesting diverse set of changing sounds like the the score would shift to suit the scene which isn't often occurs well it, it does occur but like traditionally a score not say traditionally but you know what do i know um but you know like like often what you, what you often see is that like you know the score has this one overall tone that it sticks to and all one routine oh, yeah. so that you know while it does shift for scene to scene to suit the pace it it, it still fits within you know the the style of that film but this really just shifted, you know, fucking mountains to to suit the scene. You could go, you know, into really pensive and like really, you know, somber to to like this really riveting, like you know, like edgy estate type shit. And like I had no idea it was Hans Zimmer. And like it's like, but you know, I, I like like I think it's one of his best, um, just because of how dynamic it is. You know, it's not a static score. Did Hans Zimmer actually compose this? Well, he's the he's he's listed as the uh, composer. Oh my, dude! I had no idea. I am so proud of myself because I wrote down. I got right. I didn't know it. I wrote down. This sounds like a Hans Zimmer score. To to, to me, it didn't like it. Uh, it apart really? From, yeah. That apart from that one scene towards the beginning where he's kidnapped, you, you, I feel like there was hints of him coming through. But throughout the rest of the film, it it, did, it didn't feel like traditionally him. But then, like, doesn't, yeah, doesn't like the main theme sound like. Time, though, time. It does. Yeah, I wrote that too. Oh, it, really? the, the main theme sounded like time to me for sure. There's like, there's like a the, the one part where I think he's 
you know, there's plenty of really just nice, peaceful moments where we're just looking at flowers or we're looking at Solomon and stuff. And there's a few moments where I'm like, dude, I swear to God, you just played time right there for a second, like mm-hmm. five second little snip, uh, snap, snippet of it. Yeah. No, dude, it was crazy. I I really dug the score as well. Um, some of the, yeah, the, you're not wrong though. Like outside of that song sounding like time to me, um, like the, the, the edge of your seat stuff you're talking about, the tense moments felt super Hans Zimmery as well. Like we got, I don't know, like just pounding sounds. I don't even know pounding sounds. I never, I won't repeat that ever again. Yeah, you but, can tell we don't play any music instruments. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But like it gave me, um, you, you know, I need to find a way to describe this because everyone will know what I'm talking about because it's so Hans Zimmer. But like the impending like tick tick, tick like it like the tick 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 like you know what I mean? And I, he does it differently in different films using different instruments like the Dunkirk stuff. But almost like just a constant overbearing like you do am I making sense like the knocking mm. of something always? I mean in Dunkirk the literal like watch it it's meant to be like that watch sound. It is, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean uh, it's, but- it's, it's it's kind of a sound just mounting pressure, you know? And it feels like it's never going to release, you know. That's good. Mounting pressure. Yeah, that's what it is. It's sort of a, like, yeah, no, you're right. It doesn't often actually sound like ticking, but it's like that, that, that sort of, I don't know, he uses that sort of motif a fair bit. Yeah, for sure. That's what I got a lot in this movie as we were transitioning from different tense moments and stuff, and I thought it was really cool. Because I think on paper when you think about this genre, this sort of period piece, you sort of imagine more classical music, more powerful just orchestral stuff and you know there's plenty of that i suppose too but the 10 stuff stood out to me too of being like keep me on the edge of my seat even when you know this isn't some sort of action film you know what i mean yeah i think the 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 movie is far better off for it's you know shifting in the score definitely no I, i think i completely agree when we how many movies have we done where it's like I like your main theme, but you just play it all the time. The Godfather. Like Munich. The Godfather, yeah, sure. You know, like. Good, bad, the ugly. Oh, yeah, but that's in a realm of its own, that one. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> no, Blade Runner right. sticks with its own motif, although it does change. You know, it's all within that same sound. And like, like I think most of the films we talk about will have a, a rather con- constant score. I think this is really unique in what we've talked about, at least, in, in, in how much it, you know, mm. varies. Yeah, no, totally. It feels, and obviously because it's, you know, obviously it's because it's Zimmer, but it feels like a Nolan score in that way. Nolan scores are sort of the same thing. Mm. Clone Wars Season 7 might have similar shifts, to be honest, but... It does. No, it does. You're totally right. Is this our third Zimmer film? I was trying to think last night, because we've done Last Samurai Mm. in 2049, right? And we haven't done anything else with him. But nonetheless, a friend of the show. Yes, great friend of the show, Hans. I mean, we've, we've virtually met Hans, you know? No, yeah, true. Like what? In the same room as him? 75 metres away. That's, that's meeting him. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly meeting him, yeah. yeah. Being in his presence, his holy presence. Uh, quick shout out to the dickhead white dude who just dobbed him in immediately. Oh, yeah. What was up did, with that? Did he have anything to gain from that or was he just like, oh, I'm just going to I don't think in. so. I mean. I hated that. Because like, well, if he didn't. That- I think it's what he said, you know, he like I think he was right in saying he wanted to be an overseer and he wanted a better role rather than picking cotton. And that's why he dobbed him immediately. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be it. Yeah. That was trash, dude. I believed him too when he was actually talking to Solomon. He he 
Oh yeah, I was yeah. bored and sold in that scene. I was like, oh good, this guy's gonna do something. Yeah, I love the scene where uh, McQueen and Sullivan are. You know, McQueen like thinks he. Uh, wait, why am I saying McQueen? <laughs> Lightning McQueen? No, isn't the director. <laughs> Yeah. No, I know. I no, know, I mean, yeah. but it just, it's just funny saying Mc- just McQueen. Yeah. Character is what I mean. <laughs> Not McQueen. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Fassbender and McQueen. Like he, he thinks he, uh, he read. I mean, he did read the letter, and he's like, you know, leaning on his shoulder and just staring at him. Um, that was really great. I, I like. I just like how, um, kind of like in Hunger, how like the camera is always just like at a distance and kind of like just observing. Observing things and like, um, mm. it's never like super crazy handheld, like super close. It's always just kind of still and, um, it, yeah. I mean, it depends on what part of the movie, but uh, like the um scene where he's like hanging by his, you know, he's hanging by his tiptoes. It kind of that that lingers on that for like a long, a long time, and that just adds to the, you know, the. Uh, Kind of embarrassment over that situation of that scene. Um, yeah, man. But yeah. Yeah. And the kids playing in the background of that one. Mm. He does that a few times in the movie, I think, where he uses the background and depth of field in interesting ways because it happens again, I think. Um, this, you know, it happens a few times, but just get shots of, you know, people picking cotton. And one of them, I think, we're like looking at Lupita Nyongo picking cotton. And you just see a like, blurred in the background, not in focus whatsoever, like the others who didn't pick enough getting whipped brutally. Mm. And, but it's just there. Like it's not in any way focused on. It's not like you, you can't even really hear it. Yeah, yeah. It just may as well be a shot of picking cotton. But it's really, really powerful. That's just that violence is always infecting the shots, infecting the film. Well, I thought it was interesting because there's a similar thing with Sarah Paulson's character where she was – like she like like for the, the the first like ten minutes where she was there she was never you know it, it, they, they were playing with that depth of field and she was always blurred out and it was really strange as to what I I like I don't know why they were doing it. Oh right, like when we first see Fassbender, mm. she's like behind him, like blurred. Yeah, and it, it's like that for ages, and like it's kind of like it was meant to be a big reveal, but it was yeah. But, but that's why it feels weird because like even because then when she is revealed, she's kind of immediately like you know, shut down by Fazbender. Like, like, cause it feels like it's, uh, I, I can't remember exactly when she is revealed, but I feel like, you know, when she throws that bottle at Patsy is, is one of the, f- one of the first moments that she's, that we kind of see her, you know, Fazbender immediately like laments her, like, like, you know, like he, he, he says that he would choose Patsy over her any day or whatever. So it feels like they were building her up to be something more significant than what she actually was, you know, I feel like she should have been domineering in that relationship immediately. If you're going to, you know, conceal it for that long. It was just weird. Like, like it's it, it's a minor thing that I I realize I'm harping on for a while for, but like, it, it was it was odd to me, you know. Hmm. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. I did like the interactions between those two characters, though. Um, oh, and dude, the freaking weird, messed up, like dance parties that Michael Fassbender has. What was that? Dude, that no, nah, oh, yeah. that was weird. That was nah. And I mean, if you needed any more evidence that Michael Fassbender was just the worst. When he like, oh, oh, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt saves this movie, okay? Like in the story, of course. I mean, he's great, but he's Brad Pitt. But he was sick. And when, but Michael Fassbender compares the slaves to apes to him. I was like, all right. I mean, I already knew you're terrible. I didn't really need any more evidence, obviously. But I was like, 
Okay. Hmm. That was a cool conversation, is my point. Because Brad Pitt clearly way ahead of his time here. You know, I, I, I appreciate him. Or I guess more because I guess, you know, at that time, the Northerners sort of thought as he did, I guess. So maybe he's just in, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know what I mean? But he, he, he saved the day. So he's actually in the right place at the right time. That was a really confusing way of saying I like Brad Pitt and his conversation in this movie. Brad Pitt's a producer on this movie and, like, I like how he gives himself, like, you know, the only good white person. Right? <laughs> gives himself the Jesus role. Yeah. Well, that's actually... That's actually extra funny because in trivia, um, he was offered Fazbender's role. Oh, really? So that's funny. It's like, no, nah, dude, I don't want. I'm not playing a racist, dude. I'm not doing it. Oh, but you can play the white savior. Cool. I'm in. You know. Hmm. <laughs> oh no. But hey, no, no, no. Not a criticism for me. God bless Brad Pitt. He's cool. He's in two scenes. Yeah. You know. So it was just just enough to carry some weight. I can imagine if you, I think, like when he popped up, I knew he was in the, I'd forgotten, but I knew he was in the movie. So it wasn't like a shock or whatever, but I can imagine being in the theater and not knowing he's in the movie. That'd be a pretty cool thing. And just him being in two scenes. It's like the whole Matt Damon interstellar thing. <laughs> it's cool. It's really cool. I mean, before we get to the eventually happy ending, before we get there, we have to get through some of the violent shit and, in regards to your earlier comparison to Hunger, Fitzy, talk about when Steve McQueen wants to go all in, he's careful, you know, he's selective, but when he wants to go all in on what he's showing to the audience in terms of graphic content, he just he does it, you know what I mean? And for me, it was uh, Lapid and Neon Goes Back. I was like, because up until that point, and I actually thought this was quite a cool little, I guess, like, I don't know, like meta thread throughout the movie, I guess. The fact that people are whipped in the movie constantly, like all the time, naturally. Um, Solomon's whipped a bunch. All the characters around him whipped a bunch. Happens all the time. But like up until that point, the whipping, you see the blood and stuff like on their shirts and things, but it's always like filmed uh, actually not, so you're not seeing the back. So it's always like filmed front on from the seeing the person's face or whatever. And that being the first time, that late into the movie, like the movie's pretty much done at this point. And the ca- the camera sort of comes around. We get this really long take of Solomon and Fazbender both whipping the Lupita Nyong'o a shitload. And the camera, like, this is a really great long scene, well acted. And then the camera comes around. And for the first time, like, we get the full focus on the back of the person. And it was graphic, you know, it's the whole hunger thing. It was It was atrocious. And seeing her getting you know the the medical attention afterwards was jesus christ like the detail and the makeup there was insane Um, we see it on solomon a bit earlier we don't see him getting wet but we see his back afterwards yeah no right it wasn't it wasn't to that extent but am i remembering wrong well i thought it was just his scars like it wasn't was it were they fresh wounds no fresh because it was it was when that white dude was cleaning it up and then that's 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 where he learns to trust him well he thinks he can trust him whatever no, that's true. That does happen. Thanks for putting a hole in my argument. But yeah. uh, <laughs> but no, no, but but the Lupita Nyong'o stuff takes it to a whole nother level. You know, if you see the movie, it's it's like times four of what we saw earlier, and it was really confronting. And it was like this build of we're witnessing horrible acts throughout the entire thing, and then we get to that. It's yeah. like you you in your face. Here are the consequences of this stuff that in this movie and in 
you know, film and probably cinema in general, you sort of take the act of whipping someone for granted a little bit. Um, here are the consequences of that close up. Yeah. I think if it, if it was like that graphic for like every whipping scene, it would have been, you know, too much. I think he's like, he's restrained in that way, even though you see it in the background. And then like seeing this, it kind of gives like, you know, you kind of see the implications for all those other scenes earlier. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, he's really good at being like restrained and brutal at the same time. And then when he wants to really be, you know, really show something graphic, it has all that more all that more impact, like, you know, the end of hunger or, or whatever. No, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Cause that is the only reason I, I'm sure I'd mention it. Otherwise, if it were constant in the movie all the time, seeing that level of gruesomeness, but it stood out so much. And I wrote it down. I made this whole talking point because it was right at the end of the movie. It was a gasp moment and it never happened again. Yeah, exactly. But not long after that, Brad Pitt writes the letter, comes to the rescue Solomon's mate from back in the day rocks up. Satisfying scene, obviously. You know, it's the the inevitable, but the the really satisfying scene, nonetheless, just by nature of this story. And he goes home, and it's really cool. The final scene with him with his family was crazy good, in my opinion. And you know, it, again, it's inevitable, but he's acting and he's breaking down seeing them was really great and i love how it ends right there you know like that's it we cut the credits right then as opposed to i don't know like i could see other filmmakers doing something where they're like get a montage of him living living happily ever after till he dies or some shit and we see like flashes of him getting old and doing other shit in his life i don't know like i thought it was a powerful note to end right there and hmm. sort of through the the real life event texts we get sort of imagine from then on out what it was like, but really great ending in my opinion. I was enjoying reading through the the real life event stuff at the end of how he became, you know, an activist and a bunch, did a bunch of different things, helped a lot of people. That was sick. But then the final, I've never actually had, I don't think, like the typical text that comes up explaining what really happened to the real person hit me this hard where it just says, the date, location, and circumstances of his death are unknown. And that's it. I was like, bro, you're going to leave me on that? Really? That, oh no, that hit me. So I'm like, dude, I just went on this two hour and 15 minute journey with this human being. It was, it was a hell of a ride. He got his happy ending. He went on to do cool stuff. But then, I don't know. I feel like then he's sort of just forgotten to history and forgotten to time. Not anymore, thank God, because of, you know, his book obviously sold a lot more and, this movie, of course, but prior to that, it's what it just felt like for over a century to sort of gone to time, which is crazy. I don't know. That got me thinking. I thought that was cool. Let me toy you. Let me. Oh, Jesus Christ. Let me hit you with some trivia. Director Steve McQueen had been toying with the idea of writing a script about slavery featuring a black man who had been born free and was later forced into slavery. But McQueen was struggling with the script until his wife found Solomon Northup's biography and gave it to him. Shocked that he had never heard of Northup before, he decided to adapt the book instead. It was meant to be. It was meant to be, guys. It was meant to make this movie. And on location, shooting in Louisiana took only 35 days with one camera. 
which prompted amazed laughter from a bunch of directors when he said this in front of the Directors Guild. That was crazy. I mean, 35 days is pretty impressive. I mean, I haven't got a vast understanding of production knowledge in that way, but I, that sounds impressive. But then outside of that, it's not it's not Spielberg quick, you know what I mean? Spielberg's just friggin' turning out his action movies quicker than anyone on planet Earth with his bloody two movies a year thing. But one camera, all you need is a single camera. I'm sure it's a very nice camera, but you need a single camera. You go and make some cool movies, you know? I think that does come from McQueen being such a deliberate director, though. I mean, not that poor directors aren't, because, you know, obviously you have to be to be in that position, but, like, I, I, I feel like he is more so than quite a few other directors in, 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 in how specific he is and what he wants. So I feel like mm. when he goes, he only ever needs a few things and he's always commanding what he needs and it gets there pretty quick, you know? I feel like exactly. I feel like you know the the length of time is is a, is a result of McQueen, you know himself, not just because of, not because of everything else you know about you know. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. That's what it is. He knows what he wants, hundred percent. It's not a thing of, you know, you see a lot of directors getting coverage of different scenes from all different sorts of cameras and all different positions, and basically, you know, and that's why editing is such an important process in filmmaking. Of course, it depends on the style of filmmaker you are, but a lot of times the film really comes together in the edit because we literally shot this scene from five different angles and we can now choose which one we want to use and how that works with the rest of the film and the tone we want to convey and so on. But McQueen ain't about that. He knows what he wants beforehand, for sure. So for you, Fitzy, how does this how does this stand up amongst Old Mate Steve's other films? You know, where do you rank this in the Steve McQueen pantheon of of films? I think hmm. I think personally it's a bit lower, maybe just because I've seen the first half before, and I think like um like the I don't know like the inherent nature of the film is like not something that you know you'd want to that I'd personally want to um engage like, in. be eager to revisit or rewatch mm. a very brutal kind of film, and I don't know it it is purposefully brutal and unsatisfying, but. That also adds to why it's why it's good. Um, so that's it's hard, but I don't know. Um, these other films are just also on such a high level as well. So um, yeah, probably lower. Um, like even this year, I think Love Is Rock and uh, I mean last year, Love Is Rock and Red, White, and Blue are really great. Um, but no, it's still an amazing uh, film, regardless. Do all of his films feature that look into the camera because i mean we, we we talked about it quite a bit with hunger and in this we we we, we get it a bit oh. as well where he's where he's kind of like looks around a bit and then he kind of pauses on the camera for about a minute do yeah, all his films like have that. something like that i think i think this these are the only two i think i could be wrong but um no yeah i do remember seeing that that shot for like a minute here yeah, but uh no, I don't think it's like one of his trademarks or anything. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it's the, I don't know. It's the only I think this movie is basically perfect to be honest. But I, I, it's the only part where I'm like I didn't dislike it, but like the thought entered my brain of like, all right, is this a bit pretentious? You know, so many other moments in the film conveyed, I think exactly what it was going for to me, and I was just sort of left like I don't know what. Why is he looking at me? You know, well, it's probably more of a. You know, it's 
you know, him looking at a modern audience in a so-called post-racial society and asking, are you doing enough to ensure, you know, that, that these uh, people sure. are still doing well, you know, like, like, I, I'm sure there's a very valid explanation for it. And I, I'd hazard to guess it's something along those lines of looking at the modern audience and, you know, getting them to think about how much they're doing in these times. That's a solid, no, that's a solid interpretation. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I don't know. Like, yeah, I didn't, yeah, right, right. I didn't really think of that in the moment, which it, it, it just sort of worked in the, in the moment for me as it was happening. It just took me out of the movie, you know? Mm, yeah. It took me um, out of it too. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is pretty much my only criticism of the movie, but I mean, yeah, no, that's probably what it is. And if it works for other people, that's cool. I, I just want to quickly ask, because all I could think about, not all I could think about, but one of the things I was constantly thinking about was that last week when I was watching Malcolm Murray, you know, John David Washington's character mentions that in his review, the, the reviewer says that he subverted the white saviour trope and he says that, oh, because I'm black, they say I subverted, but had I been white, they'd say I embraced it or whatever. And I was just wondering how you felt about that in this film. Because, you know, M- M- McQueen being black director i was i was curious i had a look uh, i was having a look and like a lot of critics have called oh, it out saying that he fell into the white savior thing but i guess like that's that's this is a historical accurate story so i guess like you know you yeah. can't really avoid it but then if you look at um audience reviews you know a little, there's a lot less mention of it so like, i was i was just curious as to how, how 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 you felt about that no that's interesting i mean like i'm someone who i don't know i'm someone who, I, I don't focus on race whatsoever in terms of interpreting films like this wouldn't have occurred to me but the comparison to malcolm marie is actually that's totally apt well i just i mean like because if you because also if you you look at the way that like tarantino was blasted for christoph walter's character in django and like the way that green book was received because that director is white isn't he as well who who did green book oh yeah i think he is yeah so like it's like you know like seeing how, how 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 massively they were blasted and after having a look, you know, McQueen was accused of it a bit, like by by, by critics. But it seems to me on a much lower level. It's like, to right. what extent do you think yeah. that's because of his uh, of the race of the director, and to what extent do you think that is just because yeah. of the film? Hmm. Like, I think Brad Brad Pitt in this film is like a lot more. He's a lot. He's the same character, but he's a lot more of a minor. Like he's only in two scenes of the film. Yeah, but that, but, is, the... but doesn't that make it more egregious because he is just there and he is like, you know, he's he's just the, the sudden savior. Right, I can. Yeah, I can see that. It is, but is it historically accurate that what happened? From what I've, because I, I, I haven't looked too in depth, but I had a look on like the IMDb about like the accuracy, and it, it seems to be decently. It didn't, but it didn't bother me whatsoever. I know I don't really care about it either. Care. It's, it's just no, nah. yeah. and it makes you know within the uh, maybe in different films in different you know time periods. Uh, and settings of different films, maybe the criticism becomes more appropriate at different points. But for this film, like it's just a reality of the social construct at the time in pre-Civil War United States of obviously the white person, a white free person doing labor right there next to a black slave. Like the reality is, is that white person has more power in society and therefore has the ability to save that other person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just sort of, it's just the reality, you know? Yeah. Like, I think it doesn't usually annoy me, but in something like The Blind Side, where like that's like the whole movie, you know, mm. it does annoy me a bit. Oh, like it feels like oh, okay. there's like a very large focus on like. But The Blind Side is based on a true story too. To be fair. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know. Maybe so. But the blind side feels very more, you know, down your throat. Mm, yeah. I guess, yeah. I mean, no, no, that, that that's fair. If that were a fictitious film, that would resonate on some level with me, I think, yeah. Uh, final verdicts for 12 Years a Slave. Jaden? I don't know. I mean, like, like I, was, I, was, I was kind of going with a nine, but, you know, it, you know like, it, it, it's just kind of feelings. Like, I think it's a brilliant film and it's hard to fault. It's, it's, you know, it, it really isn't a comment on the film. Like, my score, I, I think, is more important to listen to the words I said, but, like, it's, so like, eight. And I think that that undersells it a bit in terms of just the numerical value, but, like, because it is, you know, brilliant and important, but, like, a just feeling-wise, you know. I'm in the exact, exact same boat as you, and it's this funny thing. I've actually thought about this a fair bit in terms of my weird, you know, everyone's got their weird, I guess, demented internal process for how they score movies, and the amount of movies that I think have given four stars, I think, are eights, but, but are basically perfect movies to me is, like, there's a ton of them because it's just like, they just don't connect with me quite up there, you know what I mean? They're not... Hmm. quite what i look for in a movie or whatever you know what i mean and i guess in that we often say we know we don't compare scores but i guess in that way it literally is inherently a comparison which is very uh hypocritical but anyway um so i'm in that exact same boat i'm i'm torn between an eight and a nine i'm going to push it to a nine uh because i do think the movie is virtually perfect and i do want to emphasize that people should absolutely watch this movie yeah 100 it's a, it's a the biggest recommendation ever you know what I mean? Without it being one of my favourite movies or something like that, you know? Hmm, yeah. No, I'm pretty much the same, actually. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, like, seeing some of it before and the kind of inherent, you know, uh, like, kind of unsatisfying nature of it is it takes it down a bit. So, um, But I do think it's, like, virtually uh, like pretty perfect. So I think 8 out of 10, yeah. Um, yeah, with the caveat yeah. that it's a ten or a nine, you know, objectively and whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's get into news chat. Uh, who here has seen the final Zack Snyder's Justice League trailer? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah, I think I did. Yeah. And the Joker I says he lives in society. Did he? He does. Oh, dude, I need you to t- tell me about this trailer. I've not seen it. I'm not going to watch it. but Because I'm like, I'm ready. The movie's like a few weeks away. So, oh, no. but If you've seen the first trailer, you've seen this trailer. I mean, it's, oh, okay. Yeah, cool. same shit. Yeah, I mean, there's some new footage there. Um, so I did like the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you get you get Joker? Oh, yeah, you get Joker at the end. He literally says, like, we live in a society... Something like, <laughs> he, like, that's like, a, like it's, that's it's, a meme, right? He's memeing us, right? No, I, I, I'm, who knows? Well, like, he, he's saying like it's not going to be in the movie. No, no, no. I, but, but like, he put it in the trailer to meme us, though, right? Like, Zack uh, Snyder's on it. He knows, yeah, what he just did, right? Oh, yeah, he would know, but it's just, yeah, it's funny. I feel like he put it there as a response to you know, uh, the the Todd Phillips' Joker because because uh, like you know that's the Joker that talks about society that Jared Leto's isn't but I feel like he just put it there just just like I, I, I don't know you know it 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 doesn't feel artificial for Snyder or for that 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 version of Joker you know I saw what what am I saying I'm so sorry you're saying he's like mo- he's like he's mocking him or something yeah it almost feels like a mock 
of, 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 yeah, of, of, yeah, no, of, yeah, yeah. But when you're just telling me that, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I feel like it's I feel like he's trolling. Yeah, it does feel but, like that. Yeah. yeah, which is funny actually. I mean, if I'm Zack Snyder, right, and I'm given the opportunity to come back, make reshoots, improve this movie, make this movie that no one ever thought I was going to make, I given a shit millions of dollars to do it. I'd be like, well, whatever, dude. I don't give a shit. This friggin' Joker's in it, and he's going to say we live in a society, and there's going to be. Yeah, he just doesn't if the care. movie's just that, if the movie's yeah. just a meme, I'm in for it. But so sorry, was the trailer in the weird aspect ratio again? Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Oh, like one one or something. Yeah, yeah. I hate it. I hate so it. that's not the movie, right? No, no the, the the movie is rather normal. Hmm. Okay. It's just okay. It's just so weird. Why do they keep showing the trailers like this? Just for aesthetics, you know? Be a bit edgy. No, okay. Well, you're telling me the movie's going to be normal. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. If if, if I press play on the movie and it's like remotely like that, I think I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm just going to turn it off. I'm not watching it. I can't stand it. All right. But was there any other crazy moments? I don't know. Did Batman do something? Mm. That's what I'm here for. Well, I can't really remember much of the trailer, to be honest. Okay. There's just yeah. a lot of new footage and... Yeah, yeah. Got a, uh, I remember it called Superman shot, and it's like black, you know, suit black suit. I do think it looks yeah. a little different, um, just like the designs and stuff. Not that different, but yeah, I'm excited for it. Cool. I mean, I'm being cautious about not watching the trailer or whatever, but this is a four-hour movie. So I mean, if I'm ever going to watch a trailer and not give a shit, it's because watching the trailer is like nothing. Of this entire thing. It's going to yeah. be a beast. Uh, we also got a trailer for Cruella, which is this new Disney Plus movie. Emma Stone is actually the, the lead, right, Cruella? Hmm. Yeah. And she this is the 101 Dalmatians villain, for those oh, who are okay. in-depth on Disney lore. And because, of course, she hates dogs, which is her whole thing, right, like in, in that movie. So, therefore, I hate this woman and... Don't think I'll be watching this film, you know. I can't support Cruella. I was just totally made that up. I'm sorry. But, Jane, did you... Who saw the trailer? Did you see the trailer, Jane? Nah. Yeah, I saw, I saw most of it, yeah. It kind of... <laughs> most it, of it. Like, I, it was really I, hard dude, to do. how do you watch it? it, it it's a two-minute thing, as if you just don't commit to the entire trailer. <laughs> Actually, I didn't watch the last, like, 20 seconds, because, I don't know, but, um... <laughs> just clicked off it. Yeah, yeah but, um... It seems like a kind of Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie kind of thing. That's the kind of vibe I was I was getting. Interesting. Not like maybe not exactly like that, but it kind of I don't know. She was like Katie vibes. Yeah, like you know, cheeky. There was a cool shot of bats from in the trailer. Of bats. It was like a Batman Begins kind of thing. It was cool. Oh, sick! I love all the bat shots in Batman Begins. They all flutter and cover the light and shit. It's cool. But all right, that's coming to Disney Plus, so you know, check it out if you want, I guess. Um, and finally, we've got Paddington Three is happening; it's in the works. What is our history with the Paddington franchise, and when are we doing the Paddington franchise reviews on this show? Dude, Paddington is some of the best English language kids film there are. It's, it, I mean, they're such a blast, man. Like, like they are put on any time, and like, they're just great. I watched, I've seen the first one. The second one's considered better, isn't it? Is it better? Yeah, I think it's considered better. I, like, to me, they're, they're, they're the same. But, like, sure. I, I think, like, critically, it's considered to be better. Okay. 
Okay, cool. I, don't know, I mean, like, I'm not like, gonna lie. It's hard for me to understand how people watch that and don't like, like, like I know, I know, I know that's you know, if like an ignorant as, but like, because like you know, it's like, oh, well, dude, why don't you like this? But like, you know, it's 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 just such a plain, feel good, just, just brilliant, just little. It's, it's it's they're just such great things, you know. Am I gonna be that guy? You're gonna be that guy. The first one was it was good. You know what I mean? I, it was good. I'm not. I'm not saying it was a garbage movie. I'm not saying it was a mediocre movie at all. But I don't understand the whole like Paddington's. Oh, Paddington's the best. Like, I don't, it was just like a, it was just like another good family movie. Like, but I feel like three come out a year and they're all like equally good. You know, like Nicole Kidman's kind of goofy, which is just kind of funny, but it's also weird. What's like? What's like as what's like a comparison then? What's what's like as good as Paddington for you, Zach? I haven't actually seen any of them. I'm just oh, okay, okay. I mean, I don't know. Like the vaster, you know, when we're not talking about like god tier Pixar, like really any Pixar movie, you know, oh, yeah. any even any honestly like any Disney Animation Studios movie, like Frozen Two, honestly is like there. Like get out of here in that in that area for me, you know. We're basically, like, obviously, you know, we get, there, there is some trash kids movies for sure, some trash animated films. But when we're, if we're talking about not the tr- not trash family movies, not God tier family movies, just like solid family movies, it's just, it's just chucking in the pile for me. Nah. I feel like Jaden's seething. Yeah. <laughs> if only the camera was on at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're flipping me off right now. I can't tell. But maybe, I don't know, I, I need to watch the second one because isn't Hugh Grant in the second one? Yeah, Hugh Grant's great. Oh, that might win me over. That might be what, I'm, what I need. It's, it, 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 and the second one is just such a fun narrative. Like, he goes to prison and, like, you know. It, oh, really? It, 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 it's great, yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Like, like, cool. like, like, there may be, like, you know, Disney Pixar movies that are as good as it, but no Disney Pixar movie is as real watchable as it is. Right. Okay. Okay, I'm not going to lie. The prison, Hugh Grant, you're getting me. You're getting me. Uh, now it's time for our highlights of the week. We've obviously had a full week, right? Liam, what do you want to talk about? Finish this Utopia show, which is really is this British uh, British show about these people find this uh, comic book, and then people are like, like these murder. These people are like tracing down people who come into contact with the comic book and. The comic book is like about like conspiracies and this and uh shit. And it's just got this like really uh sinister tone, but it's also kind of playful and the soundtrack's really great. It's only two seasons, um because the third season like got cancelled or whatever, but now there's like a oh. there's now there's like a re what do you call it? There's like a um a reboot or whatever, um that came out like this year. Like an American version of it. But, oh, um, really? Yeah, I think it's got that guy from like The Office, like Rain Wilson. Um, but no, it's really great. Um, the murdering in this in this series is really fun. It's really great. Blood just goes everywhere, and it's really colourful as well. Lots of yellows and reds, and it's just really good time. It's really fun. Um, and um, it's pretty, it's a pretty complete story. It kind of feels like at the end of season two, it is setting up a bit, you know, for a season three or whatever, but it's pretty mm-hmm. complete. Um, 
So yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it. Well, that's good. That's good because my thought was, I can't watch a show that's been cancelled. The second they right, cancel, right. I'm out. It's not happening, you know. But that gives me a little bit of hope. Mm, yeah. Um, it kind of the show reminds me of like, like Mr. Robot and and like Legion the most because it's got a very like distinct style. Um, oh, yeah, and with yeah. like Mr. Robot seasons, like. Like the ending, kind of the ending of the seasons, kind of like it wraps up like big elements, but also sets up a bit, and that's kind of what the end feels like. Um, but no, it's a great, great show, great cast, and everything. Sick. I uh, I promised everyone I'd update you on your honor, and I've finished it now. Uh, just ten episodes. I don't. I think it's just a limited series. I don't think there's any room for a season two after what we got. But uh. I mean, it was pretty. It was. It was. It was all. It was good. You know, like I wouldn't. I wouldn't begrudge anyone from watching it in the end. I think. I think the premise is really great, and I think in some ways it's cool, and other ways it doesn't really deliver on it fully. Um, I think the plot's generally good. It's got plot holes and like really egregious ones to me. Like, I, I don't. You know, I'm no lawyer. All right. Okay, I've done legal studies. So I'm just gonna, you know what I mean. A quick flex there, oh, but like, dick. you know, it'd be big dick energy right there. But you know, there's clear pl- plot holes with the way in which the story develops in regards to the court cases and evidence. Like, I don't even think you have to do any legal studies to understand. Like, I don't know if uh, I think everyone would be aware of that evidence beforehand because that's how evidence works. But anyway, um. So clunky moments, but generally speaking, I think the characters are good and the plot progresses interestingly. But it's got weird issues. Like the ending, like I it's the final image of the show is cool in terms of like this the whole morality of, of what's occurred throughout the whole thing and the circle in which everything sort of comes full circle in the end. And that's cool. And Brian Cranston's just awesome throughout the whole thing. He gives really great performance as you'd expect from him. And he directed the last episode too. So he was, he was all in on the show and he was really, really showed he's awesome. But like the ending itself, despite what it's going for, like getting there is sort of clunky and weird and characters do things that are sort of like, I don't know if any human being would really do that in this moment, but so I hate when that sort of shit happens. And there are also really, really clunky ways of explaining how COVID interrupted their shooting. It's really weird. And I, I, it's totally insane to me that they made these choices because like the court case is in progress throughout the show and it's like regularly, you know, filled as you'd expect, but it's obvious at some point during filming COVID hit and like suddenly there's just no one in the courtroom anymore. Right. And the show addresses COVID in two scenes just so they can explain why there's no one in the courtroom and then it never comes up again. And for it to be even weirder, like other scenes after that point chronologically have people, plenty of people walking around normally because they were obviously shot out of order. It's just, it's totally jarring to me in my opinion. And especially when you can easily make an excuse of why the the judge chose you left uh, didn't allow public into the case for really obvious story reasons. He got to just explain it away that way. No one's allowed in because uh, the family's privacy. Done. Like instead, they just bring up COVID. It's weird. It's weird. Anyway, nitpick stood out to me. Your Honor, maybe check it out. 
not a hard recommend, but it's pretty cool. But Jane, what about what about you? Well, I um, only watched one thing this week, so I can talk about that. Um, it was uh, Spellbound, which is Hitchcock uh, and Ingrid Bergman. Um, I love both of them. I think Hitchcock's one of my favorite directors at this point. I mean, I've, I've watched way too many of his films, like not even the good ones. Also, like, but um, um, but Ingrid Bergman's one of the best actors of all time as well. Like, like she's such a solid actor. Um, but like um. Spellbound's a really interesting film in, 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 the, in the way that it's kind of way ahead of its time. And it's, it's a psychological thriller with an intelligent female lead. And the, 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 the way that, it, like, look, it's, it's not the best in terms of, you know, psychology and science. It's not the most accurate, you know, depiction. But for 1945, when it was shot, it was really progressive, I guess. Not progressive. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll go with progressive. For, for, for the field, we'll say, and for its depiction. And, like, um, it's not your traditional Hitchcock in that. Well, it, it is because it holds many of the same elements of, like, you know, false accusations, and it, it does revolve around this, you know, murder mystery. But I, it leans way more into the romance side of things than what most of his films do. And there's this really amazing dream sequence that they have that was actually shot by Salvador Dali. So there's this really surreal sequence that that, that, that they that that he's included and it, it it's really an amazing film for that reason but like in terms of narrative and and you know like the your, your, your general film stuff it's not you know his best work but it, it's certainly a, a, a very interesting one cool man i need to watch some hitchcock films that's what i need to do so i feel like i feel like they'd speak to me do you think i'm right i think some of them definitely will i think um okay Come over and we can binge the box set. I'll show you the best ones. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Rope's one of your favorite films, and I re- that synopsis sounds cool. Yeah, I, I, I think you'll really like Rope. Rope's phenomenal. I think you'll like Rope and Rear Window, but I don't think you like there's other, his other ones, like like Sabotage and The Man Who Knew Too Much. You might not like too too much, but I, I, I think I, I think it'd definitely be yeah, on and off with him for you. Cassidy is brilliant, in my opinion, but it's it. I think it leans more into that romance. You might not like. I got. We'll um, I got this Blu-ray, like four of his films. I got to watch uh, Vertigo and The Birds. On them. The Birds is ass. No one should watch The Birds. Well, I mean, sorry, you should, you should watch The Birds because it's you know his like, The Birds is way too overrated. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry if that that if that affects your opinion, <laughs> but <laughs> I need to say it. Fair enough. Well, uh, we're done. That's it for this week's episode of Cinema Effect. Like we mentioned at the start, uh, feel free to continue writing your answers in this comment section for what your opinion on reality TV shows are. We'll answer that next week. So get hyped for that. We appreciate you if you've written in. I don't know if you've written in or not because timing's weird. But we appreciate you doing that. Fitzy, what are we watching next week? Well, we're continuing our Bourne series with... uh... The Born Supremacy. And that's on everything. Yeah. Netflix. Yeah. So you got no excuse. You gotta watch this movie, alright? I'm excited to watch it. I I really want to know what where this franchise goes. And how we end up getting to Jeremy Renner somehow. That's the main question. Was Jeremy Renner was was that a contract thing that they had to get him or was that a was that a um 
Like, did 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 Damon not agree to come back, or was that like a conflict of filming thing? I've Do you got know? No idea. No, but we will definitely find out. Yeah, we'll definitely find out when we get there for sure. Well, maybe Bourne just had to get facial reconstruction surgery to go undercover again. Yeah, yeah, it's that it's that Clone Wars arc. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. All right, boys, thank you very much for joining me. As always, appreciate you. Everyone else, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you all next time. Watch the Bourne Supremacy. Watch the Bourne Identity if you haven't. And, of course, always watch Black Sails. All right, see you all next time. Throwback. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah.